0: Hi, everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. With 2023 quickly approaching today, we will continue on with our series of year-ahead conversations, focusing in specifically on the fixed-income space. This includes thoughts on the path forward for monetary policy and implications of that to the rate environment. Uh, Joining me for the conversation today, glad to welcome back Leslie Falconio, Head of Tax Fixed Income Strategy for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Leslie, always great to have you on the podcast. Welcome back. Looking forward to hearing your insights.
1: Thank you, Dad. I appreciate it.
0: So as our listeners might know, Leslie, the Chief Investment Office has coined the year ahead, 2023, as being a year of inflection. So I'm curious what, in your view, Leslie, might be an inflection point or points for fixed income investors.
1: Well, when we think about some of the drivers of um, return, or shall I say, negative total return in 2022, there was really there was really two factors. One was, yes, we did see a bit of spread widening, but you know, nothing that was, um, you know, when I say material, nothing that was like in a crisis mode. So the risk premiums that investors earned were a bit wider, but not. Really, tremendously wide compared to what we've seen, given the level of volatility in interest rates. The second one is interest rates, and as we know that, you know, we had ten-year yields start at the year to one and a half percent, move all the way to a four point three five percent the third week of October, and these headwinds, you know, really had a large dampening impact on you know total returns. And when we think about, you know how the market has shifted as we go into 2023, well, it's not going to be so much about necessarily um, the Fed's path anymore because there is, you know, again, although we don't have certainty that the Fed will stop at a 5% Fed fund rate, you know, in the um, around the first half of 23, you know, we do. It is fairly certain that they're close to being done. And we can see this given the fact that they are now moving to lower amounts of Fed hiking. So we've had, we had consecutive 75 basis points move from the Fed. You know, now they're more than likely in, at the end of December, they'll move to 50 and then probably 25, 25 in February, March of 23. So we're kind of shifting from this, you know, you know, what's the Fed going to do, which created a tremendous amount of interest rate volatility in 2022. And in 2023, we should see interest rate volatility come down and it's going to shift from the Fed, you know, what's the Fed's next move is going to be? To what's the impact from the Fed's move? In other words, how's the economy going to react? from all of these Fed hikes that we've seen. So so that's a shift that we're going to see when it comes to 2023 and the potential impact on fixed income.
0: So Leslie, you're right. And we've spoken about this a lot this year, the impact that the Fed has had on the market environment. And we did hear recently from Fed Chairman Powell, and we'll see what December delivers with respect to their path forward for monetary policy. A lot of focus is on the next couple of quarters. And I know you alluded a bit to that as far as what we might expect But let's expand a bit on the potential implications, impact of the Fed's monetary policy path to the rate environment and the asset class as a whole. What are your thoughts there?
1: Well, I mean, one of the benefits that we have now heading into 2023, which we didn't have heading into 2022, and you know, I say that it's a benefit, but it also sometimes can be a bit of point of concern because there is more of a consensus now as we head into 2023 with the path of the Fed fund rate will be. And again, it's around that five and five and a quarter. Terminal rate. And when you think about where we were in 2022, the market was only expecting the Fed to move maybe 70, 75 basis points for the entire year. But you did have those outliers that always pushed back against the word transitory and really believed that the Fed could move up to 4% in 2022. And and this kind of outlook when we were starting the year in 2022 was, was really just a very low probability. It definitely wasn't a consensus call. So now, as we know, you know, the transitory was not the case, and inflation really lasted much higher, much longer than what what the what most, you know, strategists had expected. And so we had the Fed move very quickly. As we move to 23, though, I mean, there is a bit more of this consensus in terms of, you know, the Fed should move around five and a quarter. And this is the consensus right now. So when we think about that, that does bring its trade volatility, you know, a bit lower, which is something particularly for those higher-quality sectors – treasuries, IG corporates, agency mortgage backed securities, munis, that you know they really need to see that interest rate volatility come down to really start to add incremental performance. But now that we have that 5 and a quarter consensus, there is a bit of, you know, I want to say use the word comfort, but that comfort as 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 well Provides a bit of discomfort because when you have consensus, you know, there's always that kind of concern that you could have that outlier. And what I mean by that outlier is that, let's be honest, even from today's employment report, um, you know, the economy is still strong. We really don't know exactly how the the future uh, inflation numbers are going to play out because we've had one you know, CPI number that was better than expected, but we've kind of been here before. And we'll see the around the thirteenth of December, we'll see what the next CPI report looks like. But again, if it's something where inflation remains, you know, much higher than expectation, then that five and a quarter, you know, Fed fund, you know, terminal or when they're going to stop hiking, if you will, could easily move higher. And if that does if that is the case, then you're going to have interest rates, tenure yields, Temporarily move higher as well, but more than likely they will again start to come back down, particularly in the second half of the year because the economy works in a lag. The economy is slowing in terms of headwinds to the consumer, headwinds to corporations. So you will see that, that sort of 10 year yield decline in the second half. So our view personally is that, you know, we are expecting below trend growth in 2023. You know, we do think that, you know, highly likely that five and five and a quarter will be the top of the Fed fund hiking, you know, that'll be sort of the top Fed fund rate. And then they're going to pause. And when the next move of the adjust, which will be an ease, is really somewhat of a wait and wait and see. I mean there's different opinions on when that adjustment will be. I will tell you that the market is looking for maybe twenty basis points, twenty five basis points in the fourth quarter of, of twenty three, but the majority of the easing is coming in at twenty, twenty four. And where the market is projecting the Fed will ease by about 150 basis points, because again, from from hiking to impacting the economy, there's a lag, and a lot of this lag, you know, you might not see it till the latter part of, you know, 23, and then the Fed adjusts in 24. And this is what the market is expecting. Now, if in fact, you know, even though today's uh, jobs report says just the opposite, but if in fact so the labor market starts to really fall much more than expected. In the latter part of 23, then, then there's a possibility they start to ease at the end of that year. But again, more than likely they'll, they will move higher to that five and a quarter, keep it there, see how the market reacts. See what happens to financial conditions, what happens to the equity market, what happens to credit spreads, and then adjust from there.
0: You made a good point, Leslie, about the recent inflation print. How one print outcome is not necessarily indicative of a trend. It's important to keep that in mind as we see how the Fed might interpret this data. And that, of course, helps inform their path forward for policy. Though, thank you for helping us to manage expectations as to what we might see from the Fed in coming quarters. So maybe we can tie this all into positioning, Leslie, at the start of the year here, how should fixed income investors think about allocation in fixed income, just being mindful of how Fed policy course might evolve from here?
1: You know, our view has been, you know, there's two things. One is that, you know, fixed income is finally going to be doing its job, and that's earning investors' income. And we haven't been in this situation for quite some time, given how low interest rates have been for the past several years. So at least with that, that side, the opportunity set and the cushion that investors are being offered in terms of the carry or income that they can earn, which will drive total rate of return is really a large tailwind to how fixed income will perform going forward. But when we think about it, if we split this up into higher quality sectors, you know, IG, MBS, Munis, versus say, you know, what we consider higher credit embedded sectors such as high yield. There is going to be this diversification. I mean, I mean, the, the, high, the higher quality sectors um, are much more sort of linked to the uncertainty of rate policy that we saw in 2022, which caused a tremendous amount of interest rate volatility. That is their link in 23 again we don't know exactly when the end will be but we do believe that we are coming to the end of this rate policy uncertainty so that will benefit the higher quality assets as interest rate volatility starts to abate now things like high yield and, and and you know the equity market of course they have a high link to volatility and what interest rates are but they're really also linked to what the what the economic slowdown might look like right higher quality assets Treasuries, MBS, you know, IG and Muteys, they're not as linked to the economic slowdown, right? They're much more linked to the volatility. The economic slowdown won't necessarily be a large, you know, headwind to total return as it would be for those sectors that have have, have higher credit risk or, say, are highly linked to the equity market. So one of the things that we like, because the economy will slow, you know, into 23, its it's still a – Big unknown whether it's going to be a hard or soft landing, but the economy obviously will slow as, as these lag rate hikes effects start to you know seep into the economy. So when when we think about where we want to be positioned, we like this higher quality because one of the biggest headwinds, interest rates and interest rate volatility, we believe is behind us. Two, you're able to earn really a lot of you know yield and 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 carry that we haven't seen in these sectors for quite some time by saying higher quality, and so you're really going to be protected from the potential that the economy slows much quicker than what we anticipate. So that's why we are taking more of the go up in quality kind of stance um, in our total portfolio allocations. Well,
0: a lot to be mindful of for fixed income investors as we head into the new year, though, Leslie, very helpful guidance as far as helping us understand what we might expect to see from the Fed, how that might impact the asset class and how to think about positioning accordingly. So thank you again, Leslie, for your time today, for your insights throughout this past year and looking forward to picking back up with our conversations in 2023.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much, Dan.